Brian Foster, and this is the Grindhouse Institute's Midnight Movie. On each episode of this podcast, Jeremy Floyd and I watch and discuss one movie worthy of the coveted Midnight Movie Showtime. We're happy you could join us for today's film, No One Will Save You. With the admission from several whistleblowers claiming the U.S. is officially, unofficially, in possession of non-human vehicles and intelligence, the Grindhouse Institute thought there was no better time than the present to highlight a modern alien invasion film that is making waves across its limited theatrical and streaming run. When Bryn's quiet country home is visited by some unexpected guests, she will have to take some pointers from Kevin McAllister on how to deal with them. Will she get the better of her house guests? And how long should she wait for the cavalry to come save her? Caitlin Deaver delivers a masterful performance in Brian Duffield's 2023 film, No One Will Save You. And since this was only released a couple of months ago, we wanted to give you a warning that like all other episodes, we will be spoiling this movie right from the beginning. So if you haven't seen it, stop the show now, watch the movie, and come right back. Thank you for listening to the Grindhouse Institute's Midnight Movie. Please enjoy. How would you describe what you do there? You're, you're like horror oh. icon hosting. What would you call that? Uh, so actually, like my actual uh, job title there is uh, I'm the film programmer for Be Kind Video. Film we, we had to figure this out when we did the Washington <laughs> Post thing. Oh, right. Oh, right. You had to invent a title? Yeah, before then, I was just sort of like scary guy, like a like horror guy. I don't know. I got called that in high school a lot, and now I make a podcast about it. Yeah, it's... Uh, Look at me now. Well, I mean, your high school self would be proud of you, I guess. Your high school self would be like, what the hell's a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Grindhouse Institute's Midnight Movie. I'm Brian Foster, and with me as always is Jeremy Floyd. Hello, and how are you? Brian, I'm at a loss for words. Uh, <laughs> usually I try to find a quote from a movie to start us off with, but there wasn't really any in here. You have Except one maybe option. maybe I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have one line option, or unless you want to try to do the aliens. Yeah. Uh, doing Today we're yeah, doing our midnight. We're doing our midnight movie, which is one movie. Usually, it's something that's a little bit more recent. This being extremely recent, as in 2023, yeah. um, no one will save you. And with us to discuss this film is a very special guest, Jeremy. If you could please do the introduction. Yes. Uh, so we have um, we have a very fun movie here, and uh, I needed to bring on the person who very much insisted that I watch this movie. Um, <laughs> A writer, an editor, VHS drug dealer, uh, film programmer, and, you know, living, walking horror movie encyclopedia, Matt Landsman. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. Horror master here, our, our like, master wow. class. We could get a, a little lesson in <laughs> yeah. horror from you. Save, save that uh, for John Carpenter. He's <laughs> oh, sure, actually sure. a horror master. But yeah, sure. yeah maybe agree. master fan or master... VHS horror guy. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess my first question when I ask that is, what era of horror is like your bread and butter, or you know, what's your oh, favorite? Oh, it's it's '80s uh, VHS classics, just like '80s slasher movies, stuff like you know, Evil Dead Two and Stuart Gordon movies <laughs> and Chopping Mall and The Blob and Alligator, Goalies, The Gate monster squad i mean i could go on and on but that's like <laughs> you you get a pretty clear picture of a stack of spines of tapes as i'm saying that <laughs> brian uh Yuzna and uh jeffrey combs are gonna do a reanimator i believe uh coming up soon so that uh, with yeah or discussing stuart it's gordon re-reanimator yeah. the yeah. spirit of the spirit of Stu the spirit stuart of stuart gordon, gordon. Or, yeah exactly uh to to promote the uh book which uh dark delicacies is supplying our friends at dark delicacies uh they're doing a screening of that at the egyptian with barbara crampton and jeffrey combs and brian usna next month that'd be awesome wow. yeah 
Yeah, and, and I guess in your little resume there, we, we've we've had uh, we've had Matthew Renoir on uh, from Be Kind Video, and uh, on that episode we referenced you as well as the other Matt. So th- this is the other Matt from Be Kind. There's two well, Matt's today, there. today he's the other Matt. Oh, today, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's, that's a true. good point. You're, you're, you're the Matt today from Be Kind, and he's the other Matt. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's whichever one of us isn't in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, who called me an asshole? Oh, that was the other Matt. I haven't seen yeah, you in the same exactly, room together. Exactly. And yeah, you know what? Exactly. It's kind of like the, uh, the Mr. Big type of thing where we, we can sometimes get asked questions <laughs> that we don't feel like answering and be like, oh, let me ask the other Matt. <laughs> I thought you were referencing uh, Wayne's World there with Mr. Big in the limo. He's going across the country right now to look for new acts to sign to his label. Next stop is St. Louis, and he's going to come back through Chicago on his way to Detroit. Thanks. You know, for a security guard, he had an awful lot of information, don't you think? <laughs> oh no! It's it's like the uh, the pseudonym for uh, Doctor Kananga in uh, *Live and Let Die*, Yakutato's uh, okay. character. In right, James right, 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 sure. right. Yeah. Oh my God, that's great. There seems to be some mistake. My name is James. Is for tombstones, baby. Y'all take this honky out and waste him now. But today we're talking. No one will save you. So we're talking aliens, which is one of my favorite subjects. And I think we talked about this on the last episode was that we were discussing and I was hoping to discuss this right away was, is this a horror movie or is this a sci-fi movie? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm going to say that it skews towards horror because I was actually unnerved by this movie more than I have been by a lot of recent movies. I'd actually go so far as to say this is probably the scariest alien movie since Signs. Felt like science a little bit. Science meets yeah. straw dogs, maybe. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, because the farmhouse <laughs> and the pots of water and uh, the pots okay, of boiling. Right? Okay. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's not usually what people think of with straw dogs. But I think you're right. That's a good call. Yeah. Not to mention that our, you know, our protagonist definitely takes out these aliens pretty, pretty harshly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I, and an alien entered her uh, without her permission. Uh, so I guess there that you does go. Make the little straw dogs. With a triple, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The stress ball triple, yeah. gummy triple, yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. Uh, so no, I agree. I thought it was pretty horrific. What about you, Jeremy? Was this more on the sci-fi end, or yeah? Yeah, I, I think, I think I agree with Matt there. It's yeah. you know every alien moment in this. So like the first time we see the little tractor beam or whatever, it like snaps that guy's back in half, or like. Best tractor beam effect ever in a movie, right? Like that one yeah. this was by far the best. Totally. And almost every time until maybe toward the very end, you would see a gray or a person with the little in their yeah, neck. A parasite, yeah. It was all done the way one would do it in a horror movie. You right. Know, to horrific effect. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I, if that's the question, like, which category would you put it in? I think it would go horror first and then sci-fi. Because I thought the aliens themselves were quite monstrous when you when you think about mm-hmm. that, at least from our definition. I mean, they fingers, thing and... fingers for feet and toes. Yeah. Like, they were walking <laughs> yeah. on nothing but hands. Yeah. Some of them did. There were, like, the different kind of yeah. like variations. Right. There. It was kind of like the big spider-like one. And then I actually found the kind of like squat one with like the inward pointing arms, like kind of the most unsettling, the one that she's just kind of staring down in the hallway while it clicks at her. It was the most aggressive too, right? Oh, I I thought that was the one in the basement, no? Well, I think it goes up the stairs. It's like the little one. Yeah, the little one with the the big arm. It's almost like it's got the wider arms for the the body. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah, But the but the thing did the the giant spider like one creep me out and they do a really good job in this of just keeping the aliens in silhouette shadow shape and it's there's they're just a shadow back there, but you see the full form of it and it's like, what the hell is that? With the weird movement and everything feels a little bit uh stop motiony. I know it's CG, but it they, Mm -hmm. they did a good job of like, I don't know, removing the right amount of frames to just give it that otherworldly animation whenever it would do things all the aliens right like it would like put up its finger and go it's like a, like a yeah. switchblade it like moves too fast or something or, or at, a, at an odd pace yeah it's yeah. like you're um, they're moving at a speed we can't comprehend with our own eyes you know they're just that no. fast or yeah it's awesome yeah and it's it was fascinating because 
the way it starts off too, you're if you just go into it kind of blind like I did. I mean, I hadn't really heard of it. Matt, you said to go watch it, so I went and found it and watched it. I'm I'm sitting in the video store where we're trying to get people to rent movies, and I'm basically <laughs> yelling screaming. at yelling at everyone who comes in to watch this Hulu movie. Yeah. 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 Stop and that's why I didn't hear about much of it either or any marketing because yeah. it was trapped behind Hulu. And I had to watch two ads because I'm not paying for the more expensive Hulu. Oh, well, shout God. out to uh, the, pe- the People's Republic of Beyond Fest for putting together a screening <laughs> of this movie. I did not go to it, but simply the fact that they had a premiere of this movie at the yeah. Arrow is kind of what put it on my radar. And a lot of my you know, Beyond Fest friends who you know occasionally take one for the team, <laughs> they went and saw it and all came back saying it was awesome. And, cool. they, and they told me it was an alien movie, and that's what made me want to watch it. And I was like, oh, well, why didn't you tell me it was an alien movie? Yeah. Then I would have <laughs> left my house for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really wish I had uh, been able to catch it in the theater as well. It, it, it is one of those things where it's like the stillness of it, the like little um, silent suspense moments, mm. uh, which is basically describing the whole movie um you know would have you know been very palpable in that room I, and what's funny is when you started to say the people's republic of uh what was it Cinef- what was it uh, beyond fest beyond they fest. put together yeah a lot of incredible genre uh premieres in los angeles right and and they're they kind of call themselves that or they call their fans that or something um, yes. But but where I thought you were going with that was the People's Republic of China, which is where I got the DVD or the Blu-ray of this movie. So. Oh, so yeah. they put out like a they, there's a bootleg of this. It's not a bootleg. Apparently, it was released in China. Well, I don't know if it's a bootleg, but uh, you know, it, it it seems as if it were released in China, and wow. I got a Blu-ray uh, cool. for it. So you can watch it with no ads. That is pretty awesome yeah i'd like to i'd like to watch it it really took me out of it to be honest yeah <laughs> i bet Jesus. some really good moments in this that did not need to turn into a commercial yeah yeah you didn't uh, need to be sold some tide or uh uh pro vlasic or what, what was the what was the fake drug and the, the fugitive i was trying to make a reference to <laughs> <laughs> you sold provasic is that what it is something like that he falsified his research so that our du-90 could be Approved in Devlin McGregor could give you Provasic. Oh God. Um, so I get. I mean, I, I think we need to mention that the big draw of this movie is that no one speaks in it, right? Well, Basically. there's a line. There's, but there is really the majority of the film is silence, and it's a really well sound designed film. And I think that that's pretty ballsy for this kind of a, an audience watching movies to do something like that. But it's extremely successful. Well, I think one thing that really struck me about that choice and why I really was on board with that choice mm-hmm. is because it didn't feel like a gimmick in the sense that like the character couldn't speak. It's just that... <laughs> was that a reference to Silent Night? The John Woo Silent Night? Yeah, yeah. Yes, which I thought was... Which was terrible, in my opinion. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, it's not that the character could not speak. It was mm-hmm. that they made sort of like the stylistic choice not to and part of why they did that i would have to guess is to emphasize sort of the distance between her and the rest of you know normal society yeah no you're exactly right and i think thematically that they made it work a lot better because of that it like shows her isolation her cut off of communication extends to how she doesn't even talk to herself or say damn it when she stubs her toe or you know can't turn on the light and it has this very strange maybe hypnotic effect on the audience where you get sucked into this other way of of viewing what's happening but but i think you're right about the gimmick thing because it really needed to have somebody be completely isolated the way this person was so our our main character bryn is living out in this farmhouse in like i don't know uh, a a lake cottage like little town in ohio Mm -hmm. and She's kind of a pariah in town. She doesn't talk to anybody. We're only teased as to why, right? Like, we we just yeah. get little hints from the townspeople. One of them right. actually spits on her, and you're like, <laughs> right. oh, so she really fucked up somewhere. Uh, yeah. But it's pretty vicious what happened. Right, but 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 it's like, you know, she's so alone yeah. and so, so cut off from everything. It, it wasn't like you were saying the 2023 John Woo Silent Night, where they 
had the character lose his vocal cords or whatever, and that was the reason he didn't talk. But the problem was he was always surrounded by people, and those people seemed like they would have said something. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it became a thing where it was like, wait, why aren't they talking? <laughs> um, but in this one, you know, there was a couple moments where they, they came close to seem like they're going to talk. Like, you know, she's going to go report this <laughs> dead alien to the cops or whatever, and, you know, gets in there and gets confronted and it's a silent confrontation which is just being spit on like you're saying and then it was uh well there's nothing else to say here so i guess we'll move on to the next scene it worked yeah it it, it made it feel like that's something that could have happened it was an impressive level of restraint it didn't feel like you know like lars von trier's like five obstructions or something where they placed (laughs) some kind of very specific kind of arbitrary limitation on her ability to speak it felt like this you know, really thoughtful choice uh, for the movie that I didn't find annoying or distracting. Yeah, I, I, I guess I will have to admit that there were a couple moments where I, I felt like it felt unnatural not to just say something even to yourself. But I do appreciate it in hindsight because it puts you under the spell of not speaking. Like there's plenty of sound and there's tons of great sound design. Mm. There's lots of diegetic sound or breathing and her screeching and and all the, all the little sounds you hear of her picking up objects and whatever else the the sounds of the aliens clicking and screeching and all these different things the blahs and whatever of like the the, the ships yeah. or whatever um but it puts you in this this very strange uh mindset so that when it breaks you know toward the end there and she actually does say something. It has this huge impact on you. That yeah, it's perhaps the Silent Bob have. effect, right? Like he, all of yeah. a sudden, Silent Bob says something <laughs> super insightful at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can kind of feel that coming. Like when you know that she's not like a mute, you're kind of just like waiting for like, what's her one word gonna be? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good one too. It's really poignant, and I think that they did a nice job of that, and also setting up exactly what did happen. You know, the accident with her friend Maud. And she just wanted to apologize, right? She wanted that moment because she accidentally killed this girl, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot, of, a lot of depression with that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you know, the, the whole town is punishing her. She's punishing herself, and uh, the uh, aliens sort of act as uh, some sort of therapy for her. Right. Exactly. That's uh, really really fun. Um, I don't know if we should should we 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 spoil this stuff, right? We could talk about that. I think so. I think if if you're going to go ahead and uh, listen to this episode, why don't you watch the movie first? Uh, there's a Chinese Blu-ray if you don't want the ads, uh, or uh, there's a Hulu. <laughs> okay, uh, now come back. Yeah, And we're back. <laughs> I feel like it's impossible to talk about this movie without uh, talking about the meaning of the ending. And maybe yeah. uh, you guys weren't ready to get right into that, so I'll leave it yeah, to we're, you. We're, where, wherever we want to go, but I, I think actually, yeah, let's let's do back up a little bit. It was um, I did want to I wanted to say one thing. Um, go ahead. We you, you compared it to Signs, and um, I, I also thought it was very felt very Signs. Obviously, the mm-hmm. aliens themselves, the location, etc. I also right. felt like this movie kind of felt a little bit like what I wanted Super Eight to be. Do you remember that J.J. Abrams? Yes. Film? Okay. Um, yes which was, you know, supposed to be this homage to Spielberg and Richard Donner and 80s kids, uh, young mm-hmm. kids films with the aliens, etc. I don't know. I didn't like the alien in that. And I was just taken aback because it was a little bit too big for what I wanted out of that. This was more contained. And I'd say that this is more of the Spielberg or Jaws even throwback along with Close Encounters and other stuff, E.T., that more of a Spielberg throwback than anything. Yeah, it was a little horror, Amblin, a little bit signs, a little yeah. bit mm-hmm. uh, fire in the sky, which is another one yeah. of the great. Uh, it it, it kind of drew from a lot of those, right? Like a, a, a ton of the the things that we've seen in other films, you know. Um, obviously, the familiar too. The saucers are so classic um, and all that. So, and the grays are obviously all, kind of all the general. A little like new with their, a little bit of a, a new stamp on it. Like, yeah. And, 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 I, and that's where I was kind of building to a, earlier when I was, I don't think I finished my thought or got distracted or I distracted myself perhaps. But I think when you recommended it to me, I didn't know anything about it. I just watched it. And like all of a sudden I was like, wait, is this, I, I was assuming, okay, it's Matt. It must be horror. But I, I didn't know anything about it. And then I started watching it and it's like you hear 
trash cans get knocked over in the middle of the night and then she walks downstairs and there's something happening down there and i was like wait a minute that's not human right and it's making these weird noises and it is kind of interesting going into it uh completely fresh or whatever and and not hearing about it and not knowing what it was uh but it was interesting that like the aliens themselves and the saucers and whatever they were all very um very much in our collective imagination already yeah it wasn't uh oh aliens like you've never seen them before it's like well you've seen these quite a bit and um you know the the, the saucers themselves are are very classic but they saucers. but they also the the design also drew on the fact that you know we've got the classic alien with the big black eyes and the gray head giant yeah. head um with the skinny arms and all that but then all of a sudden they're like you know, drawing on other things like the giant spider version and that small one and all these different right. things that they do. It just kept giving you a little bit more of their anatomy or, or their collective anatomy, I would say, because they couldn't all look exactly the same, right? Like we're all varied in our sizes and statures and stuff. So, uh-huh. all, you know, all of a sudden, if another alien group came down, they'd probably have a bunch of different versions. So this actually showed that. They don't usually do that in movies. It's usually like all the same mm-hmm. uniformed creature. This is like they had different versions, but they all looked similar. And right. I, I couldn't figure out if she was fighting the same one and it was just kind of growing into different pieces. And at some points they were doing these weird things where they were doing like different uh, symbols with their arms <laughs> yeah, and shit. And I'm like, are they like praying to her? They're doing like, semaphore, like, they're, like telling ships where to go. Yeah, yeah, that's what they were doing, right? They were like communicating with the ships. It's so, yeah. well, so awesome. The sort of like Pokemon evolution almost of the yes. different alien <laughs> forms. Yes. I think kind of speaks nicely to the pacing of the movie and the sense of escalation in the movie because, you know, as Jeremy was saying, you don't necessarily know what this is when you're going into it. The title doesn't heavily imply aliens, but it throws you right into it. I think that the alien first shows up around like the 12 to 15 minute mark. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of exposition in the beginning. We kind of learn a little bit more about the character's backstory as we go. So it's very surprising how quickly it throws you into that alien element and then how quickly she's able to dispatch the first one so it's like <laughs> yeah, right. where do we where do we go from that how do we escalate this <laughs> right. and it's almost like they're introducing new aliens with act breaks it, i yeah. totally agree it's like a kind of anthological almost like here's the the next alien she needs to fight or here's level two you know here's the next boss it's like a bigger version or the smaller one with a you know she's got to fight it in a different way it was really excellent how they broke that stuff up yeah it, and it's also just as a text to sort of like read into a little bit, I it was it was one of the things. Okay, that there's these different subspecies of the gray Grays, aliens. So, yeah. so it's like the very first one is the you know pot smoking gray that uh, we've all seen <laughs> a, a million times, and then the one the black light poster. You mean I have the, behind the bla- me here? No. <laughs> <laughs> that one, and then the uh, you, you know there's the one that uh, Matt was terrified by. With the, it was kind of like shorter legs but really long arms. And then there's the, I don't know, daddy long legs and a kind of spidery looking one that was very tall because its arms and legs were so, so long. And then there's the phalange, you know, triple parasite, thing? parasite yeah. monster that was controlling the humans. Yeah. And with the tractor beam that we see later, also was able to use that to 3D print a version of her. Clone, yeah clone her or whatever mm. and is that what you think happened and the i i was wondering th- through the middle of it and i'm curious to get your guys thoughts like is the stress ball phalange thing the actual like alien that's in charge here and yeah. there's all these different subspecies because they went and grabbed them from all these different places and they're controlling them mm. well I had not considered that, that maybe, you know, it's the sort of like little uh, anemone type things that Mm -hmm. are actually uh, the puppeteers of the whole operation. That's definitely a interesting way to look at it. And that that could be the case, though. I don't know if we ever do we see one come out. We do see one come out of like a gray's mouth. Right. And like try to go. There's like two. I mean, like one, we see the little trail and and we don't know what happened to it. It comes and out then, of the and, human's mouth, though, right? Like it was blood, blood out of the... Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. It was out of the alien. Yeah. Out of the first alien that she accidentally stabbed with the church bell, mm-hmm. when she kind of comes back to the house, she sees, she sees the trail and she sees the, like, you know, ugh, gross stuff out of the mouth. 
And then later, when she's stuck in the red beam, mm-hmm. it, it comes, comes out of the one. Comes right out at the, the screen, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one where you want a, a 3D movie, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Send that triple right at my face. Right. Yeah. And then, and then it goes into her mouth. And then it's a, a cut that we don't quite understand. And she's oh, got it awesome. out somehow. It gets sucked into yeah. the into the tractor beam, gets pulled about halfway up to the ship. It becomes her. And then it starts printing a circulatory system and then printing her. But I, I have a slightly different theory on, on that and then all of this. But but let's, <laughs> let's finish with this theory. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a Frank Henenlotter movie called Brain Damage, where there's this little no. creature named Elmer that kind of lives in the back of this guy's head basically and <laughs> sounds just like basket case yeah <laughs> starts making him do evil things uh-huh. um but, yeah. <laughs> yeah of course it's like pure hen and lotter but uh <laughs> and it's a vhs classic but um it's it's just like one of those things where it's like i i do think that's a really interesting way that they did it where like the parasites are potentially the Either the real aliens slash like ones in charge or that's just uh-huh. like what's inside them that like comes out and like it makes it harder to kill them or something. Or maybe it is the same, you know, parasite that keeps like upgrading to like better like biological mech suits while it's like trying right. to torment her. Uh, I think right. biological mech suits is where I was going with this was that the actual aliens that we're seeing, the humanoids are drones, right? They're just kind of vehicles that you can jump into. And it's similar to the little guy in Men in Black, right? That's in the guy's head that's controlling the yeah. joysticks, right? <laughs> right? It's kind of this, you know, s- small anemone type creature. And that might be the mastermind that's, it might not just be this race of aliens either that it's controlling. It might be, be a bunch of them, you know, but it's like using this, these like drone looking because the aliens are looking, they don't have much emotion right until the very end. And all of a sudden we see that they might actually have a heart. And it's like, Mm -hmm. almost like for the longest time, I'm like, Oh, they're drones, they're vehicles. And then by the end, I'm that theory goes out the door because they kind of do kind of give in and feel Bryn's pain, I guess, and kind of give her this ideal life. And again, I jump to the end. I keep wanting to jump to the end guys. (laughs) God damn it. Um, but yeah, um, I thought that the anemone was the bigger alien for a while, but then I'm like, it just doesn't work. I mean, that just might be the same thing. It might be part of them, part of their anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I, I guess the other thing that like is a little different is when we're in the mothership there, they have a conversation among themselves and then look up to the, you know, giant butthole in the sky and that thing talks to them. Brah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so so that thing uh you know the the queen bee or whatever yeah uh, up there is perhaps something even you right know, a, 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 another species or whatever or another structure that's what i took from all that it just keeps getting bigger right it's the russian dolls type thing yeah. where you know somebody's yeah. in charge of somebody in charge of somebody right the right. etymology of it almost kind of reminded me of like you know xenomorphs like from yeah mm-hmm. alien where you have sure. like the face hugger into the chest burster and these different life cycles. It must have laid something inside his throat, some sort of embryo. He started, um, he... Look, man, I only need to know one thing, where they are. You know, scares, <laughs> Anytime, anywhere. Right, right. Somebody said alien. She thought they said illegal alien and signed up. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Anytime, anywhere. Are you finished? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm all about that. I think that they took a lot from Alien. I think they took a lot from even like uh, B movies from the 50s, um, a lot of the sound effects and things. So I think that this is an homage to all the Alien films and uh, kind of home, in, home invasion horror films, actually, too. Uh, they did a good job of mixing the both. Yeah, and making it kind of feel a little bit timeless. Like, I wanted to touch yeah. on like mm-hmm. Bryn's aesthetic yeah is so that's literally where i was just about to go so keep going when was she yeah Yeah. (laughs) she's she's kind of anachronistic she's Mm -hmm. like this little like hipster in a way that builds her sort of a christmas village in her Uh spare time and when you see her life on the farm it's so like self-contained that like you said it's like when is she it takes you a while to even realize she's like a part of you know modern day society because they give you a year don't they in writing right off the bat of the film isn't it, there it's like pretty on, early on she wrote yeah you, you see that her mom died in 2019 that's what so, it is so you the, know this the is like stone, after that yes, um, yes. 
but totally like you know the way she has kind of her um depression era you know a print uh dress and you know it's that 1800s style farmhouse and yeah the the little craft beetlejuice style uh you know like model town yeah that she exactly. has there winter rivers <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i think it all just exists to sort of like emphasize uh the difference between her and everyone else in her world and sort uh, of uh, yeah. really make the ending uh hit home yeah and oh, oh and then also actually before we, we get to that so she's got this model town and you know that as a hobby feels a little old-fashioned you know to begin with but then you know she puts Very on Beetlejuice. this like you know <laughs> yeah this like um 50s song and puts out the mm. sort of arthur murray dance steps on the right, floor right the one two three one yeah. two three one <laughs> yeah. two three yeah exactly and and, and so, so yeah. that felt out of time as well yeah um but it's it somehow doesn't feel like um they've made a mistake or or, or i don't know what that they've made a, a choice Missed that doesn't a production work design choice or something right it it, or wardrobe. it, yeah. it, it fully works thematically especially because you know well first of all like the the model houses is something that was something she used to do with her mom uh but you know it's also that it's it's a hobby you know one can do in isolation the way she was um you know after having been a pariah for as she says 10 years i think because like when she was writing one of her notes she was like it's been 10 years since you died and presumably everyone's hated her the whole time uh since then but it's interesting because this out-of-time idea kind of fits in with the whole aesthetic of the grays and the sort of like very circular flying saucers, the tractor beams. It all kind of fits in that, you know, late 40s, early 50s, you know, time frame, yeah. you know, look and feel. And for me, this kind of gets into sort of this other interesting layer to the film, which is, you know, so she's constructed this model replica of the town or whatever and it, again very much like beetlejuice where we see at one point it's like the uh i can't remember the name of the town it was like you know winter rivers M- mill valley or whatever oh, or, oh. You know, winter yeah winter river or w- whatever the name of the town was we see a close-up of the model and on the model it has the name of the town you know post office or something and or the name of the town library um so it's you know mill valley library or you know winter post library and so you know it's it's clearly the town that she lives in that she was kind of recreating in this thing and uh because the movie is so uh focused on her psychology uh the the sort of psychological reading of what's happening here is like you know perhaps that all this stuff is sort of informing this idea that's going on in, in her head including some of this stuff with the aliens, right? Which is why we're left at the very end, perhaps in this mind palace of acceptance. And this is almost um, a personified version of her coming to terms with, uh, with what she's done. And yeah. living in this idyllic world in her head, you mean not, not given to her by the aliens, like none of this happened. And this is all, well, a, 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 as in like the aliens are like, Oh, okay, a personification there. of the, the sort of pain and the, 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 and, yeah. the breakthrough that she would have to have to sort of forgive herself. And including to the point where the alien 3D prints her and she has a symbolic death of the self when she kills her alien doppelganger. Yeah, I think that one interpretation of the ending that I really like is the notion that they try to replace her And then they basically realize that she's such an outsider already and she is so at odds with Mm -hmm. her world as it is, which her clothing Mm -hmm. and her lifestyle really exacerbate throughout the movie, that she's not really a threat to them. She's fine with them replacing everyone around her because she can just kind of like coexist with them. And finally, this other presence that's replaced all the humans around her accepts her right and i think you nailed it on the head i i mean that is what i think is mm-hmm. happening at the end but i think that uh, another layer to it might be that uh 
she rejected the parasite in this way that uh, they realized they couldn't control her and they were just like, all right, whatever. Just uh, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of got that feeling from it too. They're just like, okay, so she's this damaged. No one in the town likes her. The only thing she wants to do is stick around here. You know, she's in this house and why is she in this house? Okay, let's go into her brain. They go in, they do the whole black box theater thing and get the whole lowdown on what happened to Maud. And we see the whole background and they're like, okay, this is, this is fine. This is going to be the worst thing that we're going to do to her is just put her back in the town where she's not going to harm anybody, not going to harm herself. And she's actually going to have a pretty decent life with a bunch of, of her friends and neighbors waving at her now all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. A totally new experience for her and she's now all of a sudden in this like ideal, ideal world. Now it felt a little dreamy to me at the end. Mm-hmm. Like Pleasantville or like, you know, leave it to Beaver or something. Yeah. It felt like exactly like uh, how they were like a sitcom the from on the 50s. Maple Street. What's that? What's that? Uh... Uh, the the monsters are due on Maple yeah, Street. The yeah, the Twilight Zone. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah. it felt like the aliens, yeah, had kind of put her in the glass bubble town or whatever that yeah. they were looking the, over the her. The aquarium, yeah. Yeah, the aquarium, the zoo. Um, but it still wasn't a total bad ending for her right she was still in a pretty good place at the at the end which i thought was interesting and that's kind of why i thought that the aliens did well, have for, some for her sort it's, of... it's it's yeah m- much better than the world she's yeah. living in yeah. and that's yeah. what i was saying like by, by the end of the movie though the one thing that i wanted to ask you guys was i we know what happened to bryn oh but then we see all the saucers around all the places uh, outside of the town right even even bigger and probably across the whole globe so now did they just take over the entire world and was she the only one that was allowed to just kind of live in this uh, drone uh, version of humanity or mm-hmm. was this you know was she the last one on earth basically to be a human or and did this happen everywhere i was like how big did this actually go you know it's like, probably a world of uh people who are so introverted that they feel <laughs> like aliens that they blend right in with aliens and they wouldn't even know how to spot the other non right. so so earth like yeah. how, how we are now today on this planet yeah. there you go yeah, yeah. i it feels like a much better rendered version of the entire movie as an extended metaphor um, for sort of depression and mental illness. Um, Annihilation is the one I'm thinking of, where it's sort of aliens and this and that, like kind of Lovecraftian-style yeah. creatures um, are, are this representation. And this movie has that quality where it feels like this extended metaphor, but does... The metaphor like weaves it in better with the story to the point where like, you know, you could totally miss it and enjoy the story as it is. You know, to me, part of the thing that helps tip that over into that this is a process that's internal to her is the way that, you know, she breaks the fourth wall at the very end and kind of like smiles at the camera. And not only that, but she's doing the like... um, you know, if you ever dance, it, it, yeah, well, she, she did the dance, but then, and she does a kind of solo dance, but then does the thing that happens, uh, when they sort of film, uh, musical theater, which is like, okay, everyone at the end of the queue, you strike your pose and you hold it. But, you know, because you're, uh, exerting yourself so much, you're breathing really heavily. And, you know, she's, she's kind of doing that motion and, you know, cause Obviously, there's something that feels very unreal about it or, you know, kind of breaks the spell of the rest of the movie in that moment. So it's like, okay, well, why, why are we pointing so hard at that? And to me, it, it feels like it's emphasizing how this whole process ha- has sort of changed her. Uh, and, and you can see it in the way that she not only interacts with everybody else, okay, is that because they've all become puppeteered uh an enemy, uh, you know, um, drones, drones, or is that because, you know, she was able to change something in herself as well. And that was, it was sort of acknowledgement that, uh, that she got there through all this other sort of pain and, and, uh, therapy and like killing that part of herself that, uh, was, was, uh, you know, torturing her so much. And the aliens were sort of this catalyst to allow her to do it. But because she lives in this, constructed space where everything feels out of time the aliens the perception the sort of like sock hop that they have at the end there uh, all feel like it belongs in another era when you know we've give, we're given these clear markers that this is taking place in you know 2022 
Well, I think it was either like this breath of uh, sort of freedom at the end where mm-hmm. she's finally allowed to just kind of be herself and do her thing and can't be afraid of going into town anymore. But I think it could also, you know, the way she takes that breath at the end be interpreted a bit as like a, you know, it's like the ending of a performance. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's like on stage where now we're kind of realizing that she's kind of having to perform for these aliens at all times. Oh, that's interesting. And I, yeah. I mm. actually think that there's an alternate read of the ending sure. where she's kind of just blending in and, you know, maybe for whatever reason, I mean, this is less plausible, but maybe there's a world where they don't know that she mm. isn't one of them, but she's, able to function as right. if she is and she's <laughs> yeah. just sort of trapped in needing to grimace and pretend like she's having a blast that's interesting the torturous well, the, ending the, the, yeah. the thing is that, that they are definitely playing the song that she loves and it's you know they've embraced her aesthetic as opposed to maybe the the rest of the town um and their sort of more modern aesthetics um but I do like that that the, the sort of like uh, I have no mouth and must scream uh, style ending that you're thinking of there, Matt. Well, there's also another read on the ending that it's sort of like the happiness vision at the end is the vision that the you know the anemone is putting into her head, and right. maybe she has been replaced, right? Kind of like the Matrix, right? Like she might be, yeah, uh, yeah locked in a battery somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the she's eating the steak. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, or, or uh, what, what was the Tony Shalhoub episode of uh, of the X Files? Where like um, we we come out of his head and he's like almost lobotomized, but he has this like single tear uh, to let us know that he can't escape the mental prison he's in. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. and that trope is repeated yeah. throughout, like you know, Black Mirror, like San Junipero, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, because you know, and and like speaking of X Files, this one struck me, uh, you know, as in the X File vein, where it's like the um. They, they did such a great job of taking things that you're very familiar with. Okay. The uh, kitchen and the electronics or whatever that come to life, just like when the aliens come to get Barry and uh, close encounters and, you know, oh, oh, it's the grays, you know, there's tractor beams. There's all this stuff that you're very familiar with, but it still feels like super fresh. And a lot of that comes from like how well they did some of the gags where it's like all those beams of light that seemingly you know the light wouldn't be bending that way you know if it was coming straight down uh but somehow it comes uh you know north and south well as it well. was like light sometimes without the pillar of light it was just the pool at the bottom and it was almost like this like blob that could go in the house right. sometimes you know you're just like how the hell is that going in there but right it's alien shit it's alien <laughs> shit but but yeah. it's like you know but but because of that like the um and and it's you know slightly not explained but like the the rules uh, what happens when that when that happens when, when that beam comes through is illustrated very clearly you know like she has the pot and it like gets smashed to the wall and like you know nothing can you know break that beam or whatever uh and and so you you know what those rules are and, and so that each little set piece kind of like builds upon the, those moments where it's like okay there's something new and surprising oh they all have this sort of like telekinesis thing and you know that's hard to combat and you know yeah or or some of them do and some of them don't maybe the daddy long legs did not seem to have that uh which is why it had to chase after her and get caught up in the car and all this Looked yeah like, uh, pennywise right like the it, big <laughs> spider yeah the spider yeah and and, and that thing was kind of annoying me because it was like roaring for seemingly no reason Now that I'm thinking about it, like maybe that one was supposed to be more animal-like, like it was you know, like, like an attack dog, versus the other ones that have the telekinesis that don't have to make these noises, you know? Mm. They, they don't have to make the rawr noise, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's like different, like you know, troop sort of designations, sure, like recon yeah. one in the beginning, and then like more of like a assassin type one that she encounters next or something like that or an yeah. infiltration unit and you know you have like this like full-on sort of like tank in the form of the spider one maybe it's something like that but right. you know maybe the reason that they chose like the grays you know the typical head shape and 
and they you know you were talking about like the saucers and the sort of beam of light and those like alien tropes that really like speak to that like 50s roswell sort of conception maybe the reason that she's able to sort of coexist with them so well at the end is because the last time they surveilled the planet was the 50s (laughs) and they see her and they're like oh we get it and everyone else is like this that's awesome (laughs) Everyone else is like this hostile new world. <laughs> you're, you're, and really you're thinking smart, for yeah. yourself, I, I'm really hoping the last time they visited was the 80s so they'd get along with me. <laughs> hey, do you guys know Friday the 13th? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Maniac right. and Sleepaway Camp? <laughs> oh, God. So what, um, did you, you said you saw this in a theater, Jeremy. Matt, did you see oh. this on... I know. I was saying no, no. I wish he I saw, saw this on yeah. a Chinese bootleg. That's right, Matt. You you did not either, or you did see this? No, I saw this uh, with my paid Hulu subscription. <laughs> wow. No commercials. Thank you very much. Well, I'm paying. Um, I'm just not paying the uh, <laughs> yeah, not thirty dollars yeah. or whatever a month. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's be real. I probably saw it on somebody else's. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody paid for it. But, uh, it we'll edit that out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I could have gone to see it in the theaters. And I think that uh, one thing that I wanted to point out that I really like about this movie. Obviously, we love it when a new movie is shot on film. Something like. Oppenheimer or something like that but Mm -hmm. you know if you're gonna do you know these like digital streaming movies I love it when they have that like extremely slick technical precision where it just feels like everything is mixed and mastered perfectly and the color and everything is like really well adjusted and I I got that vibe from this and from David Fincher's The Killer as well where Mm -hmm. you know you just feel like you're watching somebody that really knows the ins and outs of like digital filmmaking. And I did, I did appreciate that aesthetic in this movie. Yeah. Like like all the, you know, I don't know what drone shots and, Mm. and, you know, the the really, really, um, I, I, and I did touch on this just slightly, but I I think it's worth chatting about a little more. Like the, the really, really intense sound design in this where, just like in all these different places, like, you know, we're right after she kills the alien, she kind of dashes off across the other side of the room and is like hyperventilating. And it's like, you know, the music's building, 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 and then jump cut. And she's sitting in the same spot, but like looking, you know, dead, like she stayed up all night and she's just completely exhausted. Mm. And then she kind of like slowly blinks and it's like, okay, what am I going to do? And then regroups and, and figures herself out. But like, you know, the sound like built and built and built and in that jump cut it just like cuts to silence and you know it, it would do things like that all the time in this where it's just you know there'd be uh diegetic stuff that was really intense and then there'd be score like that that would be just extremely uh punchy but, but you could never tell which is which and yeah all of a sudden right. like the ship like one of the saucers would come up and it had like this old 50s thing yeah. you know straight out of mars attacks <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, act, but then act, all act, of a sudden, act. it would kind of like lead right into the score, like it was just mixed so perfectly, like you didn't know mm-hmm. if it was was I hearing music or was that like some sort of alien craft, uh, right. the engine or something. Right, right, right. So exactly. interesting. Um, I did want to bring up the sound design, and one of those things, and it gave me the it, it, I jumped out of my chair was uh, she's being hunted, and I think this is alien number two that comes to hunt her, mm-hmm. and um, she's underneath a table. And in behind her, something falls, and it's kind of a jump scare when that thing falls, and it cuts to that scene to see, you know, her vision as to what we see fall, which is like a, a rag or like a broom or something. And then we cut to the other shot of her, and the alien's just sitting there looking at her, like in like squatted down on the ground and just kind uh-huh. of like giving her one of those. Man, <laughs> shit my pants. It, it looked like, you know, Michael Myers after... Yeah, that guy to the wall and like yeah, head, give, head give her the head thing. Yeah, like, and that's when it started doing those little like hand motions and moving her around the room and like all like the telekinesis. Fast. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. Um, really, I cool. feel like one thing we haven't even discussed yet uh, that is such a big, big part of this movie is how good Caitlin Dever is in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and that's a lot of acting there. Yeah, I mean, sure. she carries the entire thing, and you know, this is a you know an up and coming. You know, she, they, it was just announced she's going to be a lead in the next season of The Last of Us. Yeah. You know, she was great in Booksmart. This is a 
you know, an up and coming young actor, I think it takes a lot of chops to take on this silent role where, you know, you just have to be terrified convincingly. And it's a physical performance, too. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, she did seem like she did a lot of her own stunts in action, too. Like, that was part of it, and I'm sure this was heavy heavy on that. I think it's a good point, though, about how, you know, uh, impressive it is also because of her age and her abilities. Because, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, younger actors or whatever tend to be very, very focused on, you know, getting all the the line readings down and, and having that happen. And then the time where they're waiting for the next line to happen, they're bullshit, bullshit, my di- line. Bullshit, yeah, yeah, bullshit, it's bullshit, my bullshit, line. my line. Yeah. And, and so there's not giving you anything. Yeah. And this one would be uh, very difficult if you weren't given anything uh, while you weren't talking. Uh, and and she really, really killed it um, on that score. Well, and there's so many like silent, like or mo- like more silent performances, like like Eleven and Stranger Things, where it's like mm-hmm. you know she acts like mean or like brooding or like I think it, it may be like almost easier to play something like that than like act scared. Like every horror mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. filmmaker probably you know like act scared. There's an alien there. There's a CG alien there. But to <laughs> but to to play it convincingly, and, right. you know, you have to imagine she's acting opposite like a metal ball or something. Like right, it's yeah. or, you or know, nothing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I thought it like there was a lot of uh, depth in this performance. And yeah. for once, I actually uh, enjoyed some CG aliens uh, in a movie, in a horror movie. <laughs> I was actually really impressed with them in this one. Yeah. I, I still wish we could have got a little bit more practical out of it, but I thought they did a good job. And some of the things that they did, I don't think you could have done practically, but still pretty good. Yeah, I, I could have gone for, I don't know what, like 60% more practical. I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. there's some stuff you're it's not going to be able to pull off. Yeah. But it would be fascinating to see what they would do with the limitations and then maybe some uh, sweetening as they call it. Right. Yeah. And play with the timing and things. Well, it's yeah. funny cause it's a over $20 million movie um, that went to wow. streaming and wow. even 20 years ago, uh, so much of that might've been more practical. Maybe 25 years ago, they would have done, you know, like something with like Stan Winston studios or like K and B or something where they're doing more stuff in camera especially with like that kind of budget there's no reason they really couldn't have it's just kind of sadly the way things are done now right yeah sadly is the key word there (laughs) but i i do think that they were good i thought that they you know felt real uh i thought that they did do some maybe 20 percent was practical like sometimes when the arm would come into frame and she would bite the arm of the alien i think she was actually biting uh yeah a rubber arm or something but other than that i mean they felt like they had uh, weight to them, which sometimes CG, I just feel like they throw physics right out the door and you're like, that thing is basically floating there or moving at a different frame rate than everything around it. And I'm not sold right. on it, you know, but these, yeah. they were on a different frame rate in a way, but it worked for <laughs> the, the lore, you know, they look like they were just kind of just strange the way they moved. Yeah. I mean, on a scale of like Scorpion King to Gollum, it was like, <laughs> uh, maybe like an eight out of 10 or something. It's definitely more towards the Gollum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know Gollum. Gollum yeah. I don't even know if Gollum's like the gold standard anymore. I mean, he was not. 20 maybe, uh, years ago. Uh, maybe Avatar. The Planet of the Apes films. Yeah. And Planet uh, of the Apes, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, those are really good. But yeah, I mean, I think that Gollum is, that's a fr- pretty fun scale to go by, actually, uh, when I think about it from yeah. <laughs> Scorpion yeah, I mean, King to Gollum. Scorpion King or something from the Power Rangers movie or Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation uh, or, or the, like, some of the shit in Escape from LA is like yeah. the CG's bottom really of the barrel. Bad. Really yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> That helicopter that comes in at the end that kind of transforms yeah. itself. It looks so bad. Oh, I love when they're like going, the sub is like coming into uh, LA. The shark. Passing like the yeah. submerged Universal Studios. It looks like N64 graphics. Yeah. 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 I give you the death of Snake Plissken! If someone by some miracle uh, listens to this who works in... You can just stop the sentence right there. If, if someone listens to it. 
if someone if someone listens to this who somehow works in like distributing movies or something like give yeah. this a physical release support physical media yeah, don't make please. us buy it from the people's republic of china i mean uh, i did that but yes yeah that... uh, i'd love a 4k steelbook of this that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah, I, I'll, I'll second that motion, uh, and uh, the motion is carried. Um, we will demand the People's Republic stamp out uh, more of these things uh, that, uh, you know, we can buy at Best Buy or wherever we buy DVDs these days. Uh, Best Buy is taking them out officially. Walmart is going to be the one. Walmart is yeah. also? Uh, no, Walmart is going to carry the torch for uh, physical ah, releases. Yay. But you know what? Um, if, if enough people like talk about how much they like this movie, if if this movie does like sort of develop like a cult following or is a big success on streaming, we have seen that Hulu will put out discs like Prey, the Predator. Prey did, yeah, exactly. That's a good movie too. I like that one. Yeah, I, I no, that's fun. That's true. Let's uh, let's start that um, change.org petition right now. And, Agreed. Uh, get uh, no one will save you. Yeah. On some physical media. Let's save it. Save and, no um, one will save you. Yeah, and uh, we'll have to petition the new Bev to, uh, to, to for someone to first of all strike a thirty-five millimeter print, and then petition the new Bev to screen it. They have, have it be the midnight movie every couple weeks. Yeah. Hmm. There we well, go. Well, I'd love to see it in a. I'd love to see it in a theater someday. I regret uh, not going to the one opportunity that i had and wish yeah. that it got some kind of like you know at least like some semi-limited type of deal yeah. like the killer did yeah right the killer played for a week or two yeah, yeah. oh that was that was one thing i was going to say was like you know because uh unfortunately everyone has to watch this at home uh and hopefully you have your mom's login or your ex-boyfriend's login uh that will allow you to watch it uh, without ads or you can go buy the Chinese DVD, uh, Blu-ray, I mean. And in that case, the thing is, you're still going to be watching it at home. But the one thing I wanted to say about that was that you need to watch it when it's extremely dark. Or, Remove all glare, yeah. You know, the very first set piece oh. is very, very dark. And the very first time I, I tried watching it, I was like, oh, I need to stop this and watch it later tonight. Because it like, was 11 a.m. I, like, I was like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> It's like I, I hear noises, but I can't see anything. Uh, so there's my PSA at the very end of this after we spoiled the shit out of it. I mean, if you watch this movie like I did and like by yourself with the lights off, like kind of late at night, I think I put it on at like 11 or something like mm -hmm. you'll you'll be unnerved, particularly by that first 30 minutes. Yeah, that's that's it's a good really point well as well. Like, we, we started off talking about how much it was a horror movie and then kind of got into all of the very interesting uh, sci-fi stuff. <laughs> uh, sci stuff and then yeah. the, the readings of the, the sort of psychological stuff that's happening with the character uh, but I, I think you're right to point that out Matt that like the biggest thing you're probably going to take away as a feeling from this movie is how unnerving and how you know if you're home alone all of a sudden that creek you just heard what the hell was that uh are, am i getting invaded by grays that are going through my trash cans <laughs> yeah <laughs> Is there, uh, what was that on the roof was that a squirrel or was that a gray you know? <laughs> yeah i mean fortunately for me my apartment is too small for anything to hide <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's when the small alien comes in with the long arms and, uh, you know, it's crouching down and <laughs> yeah, it, it gets up on its little, yeah. you know, knuckle toes or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, thanks so much for joining. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug before the end of the show? Uh, sure. So... You can find me at Matt's Mortuary on Instagram, where I'm always talking about VHS tapes and horror movies. And you can find many of those VHS tapes to purchase in store at Be Kind Video in oh, Burbank, yeah. California, which has been my home base for over a year now. And uh, where I also do a lot of programming and really fun screenings and, uh, you know, there's a few that we have on the horizon that are really fun of the horror variety. You know, Ooh. I I can't speak of yet because they could always, you know, fall through. Sure. It's not official until I start yeah. selling tickets. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, well, but the idea is like with that screening, you usually have 
you know, someone who made the movie uh, to come mm-hmm. in and, and, and chat about it with you guys. Yeah. So I've done a lot of uh, director Q and A's in that space with um, Joe Dante and Tom Holland and John Harrison, and even some actor Q and A's like Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp and Ernie Reyes Jr. from Surf Ninjas of all yeah, things, yeah, which, yeah. Is a, Hell yeah. which is a VHS classic. So we're Fr- really Fred Decker. Um, I think you had at one point too. Yeah, right? Fred Decker from uh, we did Night at the Creeps and uh, Mick Garris, of course, uh, who's you know a hero of podcasting and horror and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah come and see us at the video store, and uh, there's a lot of fun uh, screenings and news about other things to come. Awesome. That was the best plug we've ever had on the show, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. All right, next up on the show, we'll be taking a look at 90s spy films, looking at Sneakers, Mission Impossible, and Ronin. This one will be pretty exciting. Um, you know, it's uh, some movies that fall in between the sort of fall of the Soviet Union and 9-11, and uh, we will be looking at spy agencies and the, their depictions in popular culture uh, during that time. And it's like, well, who's our enemy? What are we doing? What are we fighting for? <laughs> what, what's what's the deal here? And uh, we should be having a very fun guest uh, joining us as well. Uh, and uh, that is one to look forward to. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe and follow us on all the podcasts and social platforms at the Grindhouse Institute. And if you really want to give us a boost, check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It helps us to get noticed. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll be back next time. Ciao.